Welcome to Happy Talks with Dr. Alice and Donovan. Dr. Alice Fong is a holistic naturopathic doctor and founder of Amore de Soie Wellness. And Donovan Jensen is a software engineer and founder of HowToHappy.com. Together, they're out to cause more happiness in the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Happy Talks. My name is Dr. Alice, and this is Donovan, my awesome co-host. And today we have a special guest. Stephanie Raffalock is a blogger, speaker, and the author of two books, the newest, which is Create Text Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women. So please welcome Stephanie. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So, wow, two books. And it sounds like you're really passionate about this topic. Do you want to tell us a little more about your story and what led you to doing what you're doing? Well, I started writing about aging um, several years ago, probably mm-hmm. because I was aging. <laughs> something something shifts culturally for a woman when she gets out of her 50s and in, into her 60s. Mm-hmm. And there's often a feeling of insignificance or irrelevance And as I was writing, I began to meet other people through blogs that felt the way that I did, which is life is meant to be vibrant and it's Mm -hmm. for living, it's for being alive and in the, in the moment and in the passion. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to explore how it is that we see ourselves as women, how that's differently than men see themselves as they age Mm -hmm. and um, how we see other women as they age and how we might better support each other. So that's what got me into this initially. And then three things happened in a very short period of time that made me realize I was onto something. The first was the Women's March of 2017, which was such a great unifying moment for women of all ages. Mm-hmm. And I've been a feminist for a long, long time, but I looked around me that day and I saw daughters and granddaughters and fathers and sons and all these people marching together with a single purpose. Mm-hmm. And it moved me. I went, there's something happening here. There's a shift that's happening with women. The very next year, 2018, in the midterms, more women ran for more women over the age of 50 mm-hmm. ran local state and national office than ever before in our country's history. And then the third thing that happened was hashtag me too. Mm-hmm. Suddenly women of generations were unburdened from this dirty little secret mm-hmm. and their, the world had perceptibly shifted. Women had shifted. So now I'm very interested in what women are doing with this midlife creativity and thus the book Creatrix Rising. Creatrix is my name to replace the archetype of crone. It means a woman who makes things. And I think that that's what midlife women are becoming, women who make things. I love, I love this. Yes, no, I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, as I was actually at the Women's March in 2017 in DC, because I oh have my gosh in Maryland um, at the time, which I had never really attended a protest in my life. And it was, jam packed, like packed like sardines. It it was, it was incredible, but everyone was so, so courteous and polite. It didn't seem like I had to worry about my, my safety in that, you know, even though there was some pushing and shoving because, you know, sardines, everyone was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to, very, very nice about it. My only, my only negative thing that happened was that it took forever to get to the bathroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, 
I'm just like, crowds are like, like blocks away would take like at least a half hour to walk to. <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, an amazing experience. And I agree, like the Me Too movement has, I think, helped people find their voice in all the suffering that they've experienced. And, um, and it's great. It's great that women are, are kind of taking their, their power back. And especially after, after 60 or after 50, you know, to know that, you know, you're not insignificant anymore, (laughs) that you could have make a difference. So really, really inspiring stuff for sure. And I don't know if I had a question in there. I just was like excited (laughs) about what you said. So maybe Donovan can could lead off the first question. <laughs> yeah, I can chime in a little bit. Uh, I think there's a bunch of different topics that we can explore and I'm going to do my best to to walk them since I uh, it seems like it's going to be a, a woman-focused conversation. But uh, I think the first entry, entry point that'll be nice is you, you mentioned sort of different ways that aging impacts men and women and, and sort of the arc of, of just the different ways that, that people end up feeling. I would love as a starting point to, to kind of go into that a little bit more. And then as we go, um, I'm sure I'll come up with some other, other angles to to poke around at. Well, let's talk about archetypes for a moment, because when in, if you're a man, um, you have archetypes that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. When you get older, the archetypes of, of an older man would be something like sage or wizard. You go from a warrior phase to a wizard or sage phase. And those are positive words. But the word that women had for aging was crone, which is not a positive word. That word entered the lexicon in the 1300s and it means disagreeable old woman. And it was meant as an insult. So this idea that there's a new archetype emerging for us to embrace that has some positive connotations like the male archetypes of sage and wizard, I I think is quite appropriate at this time in history. And I think it's a very exciting time in history. Plus, I think it's an exciting time to be a feminist in history at this point, because men are no longer on the outside. It's not an us and them kind of thing as it was in the in the 70s when my generation was wearing pinstripe suits with big shoulder pads looking like misshapen linebackers. And you know, there was no rule book for it. It's like we thought we had to be like men to be in business. And now we're finding out that we just have to be more like women to be in business and that we have our own kind of power, that male power and female power are often very, very different. But I think that there's more of a, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for, a synchronicity between men and women now than there was when I was in my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that men are much more um, open and accepting and welcoming of a woman's point of view. And then consequently women can return that as well. So it's it's not meant to be anything divisive at all. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes it exciting to me to, to be a feminist in this particular time, to see the change, not just for women, but for men too. Yeah, I actually have a, I had a, a good male friend. Actually, I have a lot of male friends and I was having a really good conversation one day, um, maybe a couple years ago. And he, he didn't understand what feminism is because in his mind it was like oh it's women that hate men and that's not the reality it was, took his wife to kind of educate and inform him it's not that we don't hate I mean they're on any any type of spectrum there's always the extremists that might right there but that's not the majority I would say and it's just like wanting partnership and fighting for equal rights and um not saying that you have to 
be like a woman or that women are better or anything like that. It's just like, Hey, let's have some equal opportunities here. Right. And make a difference. So um, yeah, I would love for you to like maybe elaborate a little further on helping men understand, you know, the difference and maybe their perception of what feminism is. Well, like you say, I think that on, on either end of, of yeah. things, you can find extremes. Of course. Yeah. But the, what feminism means to me is it means, equal opportunity for Mm -hmm. education, for jobs. It means equal pay for equal work. And it means equal respect. Um, uh, In my mother's generation, I I can remember my mother complaining about guys that hit on her at work. It was just totally inappropriate. And there was that in my generation too, in my younger years. But I, I feel like that's kind of receding a bit. I think that men are much more sensitive to that. And I think that this younger generation now, uh, anywhere from like, I don't know, maybe 30 backwards, they're a very welcoming, inclusive, tolerant, wonderful generation. It gives me great hope for our future. But I, I think that some of that has, has bled over into men, even of my generation, that, you know, even my husband, um, we're both 70. And there's just a, a, a more of an inclusiveness. I mean, he would just never dream of saying, well, your opinion doesn't matter to me. I mean, he asks me about everything and we do things in a partnership kind of way. And I think that because of that, the world is a healthier place when men and women are in partnership as opposed to in um, competition. Right. Mm. Yeah, that makes a, a lot of sense to me. And going on, some of some of the some of the topics you've already brought up i'd be curious how you think about like you know it sounds like things have changed for the better in some ways Mm -hmm. um but i would imagine not everyone's mind has shifted in the same ways Uh, i would guess that's some of the stuff that's that's included in your book um but i'd be curious what information you think um people need to know or what what they can do to help them sort of adjust to this or, or open their eyes to it or I'm going to stop rambling and let you fill in the gaps here <laughs> oh you're a good rambler you're a good rambler um I don't know that I have an answer to like you know here's something that will open your eyes I think that we live in a time where people need to share their stories men have shared their stories for a long long time um in fact the great literary canon women didn't weren't added to that until the early um like 1990s, I think 1994 maybe was when we added the first three or four women to the great literary canon. So women need to tell their story and in telling their story, self-knowledge is revealed to us and self-knowledge not only revealed to us, but self-knowledge reveals all things. So I just think that we need to tell our stories more and have men listen to those stories. And, And that's how we come together because we bleed the same color blood. We breathe the same air. So while there are differences, there's, there's way, way too much that's the same in us for us to ever be at, at odds. And I think it, it grows out of um, the power of storytelling. There's a great power in knowing who you are. And I mean, it seems like it should be so obvious, right? Who you are. But a lot of us don't take the time that we need to contemplate the deeper questions of, of who am I now and who do I want to be? And I think that those two questions have to stay with us our entire life for us to grow psychologically and spiritually. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. my ramble. <laughs> Yeah, I totally 
concur with that in that, you know, I actually had a event when I was in DC where it was just actually having a conversation around masculinity and not to, again, not to say like men are better, women are better, anyone It's just to like create understanding. Cause I, I realized as a woman, there's a lot of things that men experience that I had no idea because I'm not a man and it, it just never occurred to me. And it was just like, I think it should go both ways. Cause there's a lot of experience, like women, like, I don't know any woman that has never been sexually harassed in their life. That's just part of being a woman, I guess, to some degree. Well, and yet I think that men come with their own set of um, stresses mm-hmm. and to be a certain way, to live up to a certain standard that is more cultural than it is personal oftentimes. Yeah. And so you're right. Those were things that never occurred to me as I was struggling to find mm-hmm. my voice um, right. that are much more prevalent now is that, you know, guys come with their own issues the way we, we the way that we do. Yeah. I kind of want to hone in a little bit more on this idea of um, sort of finding your voice, mm-hmm. because I think it's something that um, it sounds like you are very comfortable with, or at least have done the work around and, and are willing to talk about and whatnot. I don't think that's common for a lot of people at any age. So I'd be curious what, what some of that process was for you or what some of the, some of the points are that you think like can help people sort of start developing that sense. Well, um, to get vulnerable for a moment, I was a, I was a pretty troubled, confused kid. And Mm. I started writing because writing helped me make sense of the world. Mm. And the same is true of, you know, this kind of podcast thing that I've been on the last few years where I do a lot of guest podcasts is that the more I do it, the more I learn my own story, the more comfortable Mm -hmm. I get with my own voice. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an ongoing process. One of the things that is in our culture right now that I'm not crazy about is the word woke. Not that I don't like the idea of awakening, but mm-hmm. woke is kind of a past tense thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you wake up one day and then that's it. You don't find your voice one day and that's it. I think it's an ongoing evolving process all the time. And I think that gives us some breathing space too of like, oh, I'm not gonna be perfect today and I don't ever have to be perfect because growing into a mature human being, finding one's voice, finding one's purpose, these are ongoing things hopefully for the rest of one's life. I think that's a really good point to bring up um, because there's an idea that I see a lot, which is, oh, at some point in the future, I'm going to have everything figured out. And this is what I thought for, for a long time when I was younger, like, okay, by the time I'm 20, I'll really know how the world works. And then 20 came around and I was like, oh, I have no idea what's happening. And you know, the same thing like year after year, so I think it's it's important and, and a nice perspective to get to to recognize that it's never really this this I don't know puzzle that finally fits together perfectly and stays that way for the rest of forever. Uh, even though it sounds nice, that'd be really great if things just fell together and stayed that way permanently. Um, I but it's, you said yeah. this. Mm-hmm. I, I love it that you said this because you may, you know it's like I'm laughing because it's like. Absolutely. When I was 20 or 30 years old, it's like, okay, I got this wired now. Okay. I think I have this wired now. And it's like every year would go on and it was never quite wired. You know, you never quite get it. You, and, and I think that's fine. I don't think that you're supposed to. I think that life would get very dull and very flat and very smooth and untextured. And, and I think what textures our heart, what, what, what gives us compassion, what gives us the ability to know suffering and joy in the same space Mm-hmm. It's this idea that we are still evolving 
all of the time. I did it. I did a show with someone recently. We talked about reinvention and she wanted to know how I'd reinvented myself. And I said to her, well, which time, you know, life is all about reinventing and reimagining. And, you know, certainly at 12 years old, I reinvented myself to who I was going to be at 15 and at 15, I reinvented myself for the next phase and, and on and on it goes. And that's just something that I think is, is the gift that we give ourselves because reinvention to me does mean awakening but not woke because woke is past tense. Like you have it wired, like, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be curious, you know, because I, I agree in that we're all kind of like on this ongoing journey and it never really ends. We don't just arrive at this magical place and life is perfect thereafter. Um, but you know, what, what happens when you enter like midlife to stay, stay curious and engaged in creating or do you feel like there's a journey in that like you have more baggage and history and that makes it harder or I, I don't know what what do you hear from most people I guess I think that people deal with you know wounding their wounding their childhood wounds their whole life I, mm-hmm. I don't believe there's an all the way healed kind of position I think that the mm-hmm. healing comes from working with whatever lot you have in life um but you, you use three words. I'm going to try to remember them. Engaged, creativity. Mm-hmm. What was the other one? Oh. I don't know. Anyway, uh, curious, curiosity. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think you should write those three notes, those three mm-hmm. words on a post-it note, you know, and leave it someplace where you see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Are you engaged in the world? What a great question to ask yourself every day. Am I engaged? Where can I engage today? How can I be creative today? Um, how can my life have purpose and creativity is a big big piece in all of this um i read julia cameron's book reread her book recently um the artist's way the book is about 25 years old Mm -hmm. but it really is about creativity now she speaks to the writer but it really works for all modes of creativity and i think one of the great gifts we give ourselves as we get older is to continue to create i started painting rocks this year which is my funny little thing. And it makes me laugh just to even say it. But around my neighborhood, when we went into lockdown with the pandemic, I still walked every day with my husband. And we found these rocks everywhere. And also sidewalk drawings from the kids in our neighborhood. And the sidewalk drawings would say things like, um, there'd be a rainbow and they'd say, um, skip here for happiness, or keep the faith. Or there'd just be a big thing that said love. And then we noticed that all these little rocks were painted. And there'd be pictures of mountains, or there'd be pictures of hearts, or pictures of cats or something. And they just started appearing like around trees and in people's gardens and stuff. And I heard about this thing called story stones. It's a real thing. And it comes from the Aborigine tribes in Australia. And the um, storytelling tradition there is oral. So to memorize a story, you have to find a method to help you, you know, retain it. So the elder would sit with the youngster and every time you remembered the first part of a story, they would give you a stone. And then when you remembered the second part of the story, they would give you another stone. And then that was your little bag of rocks. And those were story stones. Mm-hmm. Then I thought of these kids painting this, the rocks in my neighborhood. And I thought, well, those are story stones too. And I just, I love, there's something about that word that I absolutely love. And I love that these kids in the midst of a pandemic created something from their young lives that they gave to their community. 
And I was so curious to find out when I talked to people in Oregon, when I talked to people on the East Coast, that this was not unique to my area. There mm -hmm. were kids painting these rocks and doing these sidewalk drawings, maybe because they were home more. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was just an amazing little phenomenon. I forgot how we got on that, but <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I have a good, a good friend that, that does it too. And it just, I thought it was a little quirky and weird, but if it brings you joy, I'm like, go for it. And yeah, I mean, I think it would be nice if you stumbled upon a painted rock um, and you just wonder what's the story behind that. It's well, I know what it was. We were talking about creativity. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> yes. you know, it really went off on a tangent there, mm -hmm. but you know, creativity can be anything. It can be painting rocks. It can be your garden. It can be cooking. It can be writing. It can be art. It can be so many things, knitting. There's just so many ways to, to create, to be that woman, that creatrix that makes things. Mm. be that that wizard that alchemist that makes things and there's something uh, there's something that feels sacred about that to me it, it almost doesn't matter what it is it's just it's it's creation modeling creation it's kind of the microcosm of the macrocosm you mm. know creatively what do you think is um is or are some of the the blockers that that stop people in that stage from creating because um you know, in my, in my own life, I see kind of two, two versions of the same person in the same stage of life. And one is really engaging in doing stuff like that. And the other is, uh, you know, just constantly bemoaning, like, oh, I'm getting old. I can't do anything. I can't do this. Oh, I don't want to pick that up. I'm too old to do this, et cetera, et cetera. So what do you think is, is some of the differences or like blockers between the two uh, paths there? I think a lot of it has to do with the way we talk to ourselves. You know, and I, and that's something that can be learned. That's something that can be learned or relearned. You know, we can fall into really bad habits going, oh, I'm too old to do that. I went kayaking this morning. Um, uh, there's a lake just a few minutes from me and I go every Thursday morning. And one of the women I kayak with is 78 years old. And she said, oh, I'm always so glad when you asked me to kayak with you because she said a lot of my friends just don't do stuff now. And so this is a woman that is engaged to return to what, what you were saying, um, uh, Alice, uh, she's engaged, she's curious, she's um, creative, and there's something that's wonderful for her about being out on the lake, there's something that's wonderful for me, but I think it has to do with the way we talk to ourselves, mm -hmm. and she doesn't tell herself that story, you know, of I'm, I'm too old, she tells her the herself the story of what can I get, what can I get up and do today? What's going to get me excited about life today? Mm. So I think it comes down to that. You know, it's interesting. You have a podcast. It's Happy Talk. Yes, Happy Talks. <laughs> so, happy Talk. So I, so I love that. So some of the way we talk to each other isn't that happy. Um, some of the way we talk to ourselves isn't that happy. Um, and right now we're living through a very, very difficult time. And, you know, not only is it like a 24-7 news cycle, but, you know, you can't go on social media without seeing news. You can't talk to people without hearing about news. And a lot of it isn't good. So what does that do to how we talk about ourselves and how we think about ourselves? You know, my life has more than a political component to it. It has more to do than um, me fighting for something that I believe in. It also has to do with taking the time to be curious about nature and immerse myself in the experience. Joseph Campbell has a, a great um, line. He said, you know, we all think that we want meaning in life. We want to know what it means. But he said, really, what we want is the rapture of the experience. 
And so somewhere on those two sides is, the, is that line that says, are you going to go for purpose and the rapture of the experience and vibrancy, or are you going to whine? Because it's easy to whine as you get older. Believe me, connective mm -hmm. tissue isn't what it used to be. Um, <laughs> your joints get a little arthritic. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and I have some aches, but I know that once I'm out on the trail and I'm walking a little bit, that subsides. So to know that trick is, is a good one. It's like, you, you're not gonna be in this state all day. Get out and move, keep it moving should be everybody's mantra as they, as they get older. Yeah, totally. I, I think our self-talk absolutely impacts, you know, our ability to take action like walking. And I just realized in, in this conversation that, you know, I'm guilty, <laughs> even, even though I'm, I haven't quite hit 40 yet, I'm like, I'm guilty of saying I'm old sometimes when I get, achy joints and things. And I'm like, oh, I really need to stop that because something that I reflected on um, a little while ago was just like, if you catch yourself saying the I'm old or you're just wishing and reminiscing about how you're, you were younger and more vibrant and energetic. And, and then when I thought about it, I was like, oh, you know, 20 years from now, I might be reminiscing about where I am right now. <laughs> so I should really enjoy the present moment as is because, you know, I'll never be in this exact same moment ever again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you just have to make the most of each moment of life and know that life changes. I mean, how we were at five isn't how we were at 15 or 35 or 45 or 55. Right. And so I know that it seems daunting, but maybe it seems daunting because we fear mortality mm. and, you know, we're not quite yet ready to recede from life yet. When we talk to ourselves like, Oh God, I just feel so old. That is a kind of recession from the vibrancy of life. It is a kind of recession from the significance of life. So mm -hmm. if you can stay positive, and I think one of the ways you stay positive, um, and you were talking about this, Donovan, what can you do? And I said, I really don't know, but, but I do know something you can do, and that is to stay, um, to stay grateful, to stay appreciative of the world. And I always feel so much better when I'm grateful, not only grateful within myself quietly, but when I express gratitude to other people, you know, right now during these difficult times, it's like I keep hearing how short-staffed everybody is. So it's like if you can extend kindness and gratitude to that person behind the counter that's checking out your groceries, you're going to feel better and they're going to feel better. And then that little drop makes the world a better place, I think. Yeah, definitely. And there's there's tons of studies to back that up too. Like a gratitude practice is one of the most like strongest tools that you can use to increase your quality of life. Um, on that same sort of note, uh, I would be curious if you have any uh, practices that you do for, like for a, for a gratitude practice, like to cultivate um, uh, intentionally, or if, if it's just something that kind of comes to you more naturally. Um, I don't know that I have like formal practices. I mean, I, I was a meditator for a long time and <laughs> now I get up and I write and it takes the same amount of energy and focus to sit down and, and, complete a thousand words as it does to sit on a cushion and meditate. It's just a focusing of, of energy. So it's something that allows me to get calm and, and centered. As far as a formal gratitude practice, I do have this habit and I don't think it's a practice. I just think it's a habit that I've had since I was 17 is that when I wake up in the morning, I say, thank you, God, for my day. Thank you for this life. And I've been saying that since I was 17, not because I came up with it, because I had a girlfriend who told me that her mother did that every morning. And I was absolutely intrigued by that. 
mm-hmm. what it would be like to start your day. So mm-hmm. somehow climbing out of the fog that I often climb out of to wake up in the morning, that's my first thought is to say thank you for my mm-hmm. life and for this day. Yeah. I think that's great. I think it, it could definitely make a difference because it, it creates the context of your day and you're, you're starting your day with gratitude and, and it, it creates like, oh, what do I get to live for for today? Um, I did have another thought, like when we were talking before about like vibrancy and energy, which I think a lot of people associate with like being young and youthful and super active and like hiking and snowboarding and mountain biking, like, like really active things, which I, I get like our, our physical bodies might not be able to do in our sixties or maybe they can, it depends. Each individual is different, but I think there is a way to be vibrant without having like to like remove that association that like being vibrant means I'm super active, even though that could hurt yourself potentially. So how does, how does someone create that vibrancy without necessarily being like, I'm going to climb Mount Everest kind of, kind of a thing. (laughs) I think you just have to be unafraid to be passionate Mm. about your life, whatever it is, be passionate about your gardening, be passionate Mm. about your knitting. Mm. It's, It's a quality that when we see it in someone else, you know, we, we're usually entranced by it we usually love that in someone else Mm -hmm. and we should love it that much in ourselves as well I think that that's vibrancy because you're right um I I no longer ski um I don't run anymore Mm -hmm. but I also think that adaptability has to come with vibrancy just because you can't run anymore doesn't mean that you can't brisk walk um just because you can't snowboard anymore doesn't mean that you can't snowshoe um you can do pilates you can swim I mean there's we're constantly adapting. And, and so adapt, adaptability is part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it also comes back to that self-talk, you know, what are you willing to try? I, I think that part of the, you know, it's interesting as I'm, as I'm talking, I'm thinking that part of that vibrancy is, is the curiosity for life, mm-hmm. is the gratitude for life. Mm-hmm. That it isn't just physical activity, that it, there's also this kind of psychological or spiritual activity that goes on when, when we're feeling grateful, or when we're feeling excited about something that might not involve physical activity at all. Mm-hmm. Writing is hardly a physical activity, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah uh, it brought to mind, just as you were talking about some of the physical activities and stuff, uh, there have been times where I go out on, you know, sort of longer hikes for me, and I've noticed uh, on a lot of those, like there, there are people in their sixties and seventies, absolutely just crushing me, like leaving me in the dust. And I'm sure it's just because, you know, like you're saying, that's the activity they've chose to engage in. It's they're not limited at all physically in that domain uh, uh, where they might be by their mindset. They're not, mm-hmm. and they're still completely capable of doing those things. So it's just, I mean, it's going back to kind of the, the self-talk, um, I'm always blown away. And when, when I'm just like, Whoa, th- this, this man, woman, whatever, is just absolutely just blowing me away. And I'm sure if I met them in town, they'd be like, Oh, you're young. You can do whatever. Blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> they're in way better shape than I am and absolutely <laughs> capable of doing everything. So, um, yeah, it just goes back to, I, I also think even within that, and I'm sure it depends on who you are individually and what you've gone through, but even in the physical domain, like there are, still so many options for a lot of people if they are willing to be engaged like you were saying and i also think going back to kind of those two different types of people that i've ended up seeing i think that is the difference is whether or not they found a way 
to stay curious and engaged and active in whatever it is that they happen to enjoy. And to choose it, you know, to choose it and to own it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, that's not just a, that's not just a dilemma. I think of, of older age, I think that's a dilemma of life in general, you know, in, in, in my forties, you know, I knew those people that were dour, you know, the kind of Eeyore the donkey type people that right. you know, always had like a little gray rain cloud over their head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I knew people that chose something that was much more positive for themselves. So I think it, it comes down to choice and it's not just that the age, it can happen at any age. It's just, I think it's more underscored as you get older because older becomes an excuse more mm-hmm. so than when you're in your thirties or forties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I, I can see how there are people in our younger generation, you know, where they, they spend their days just watching TV and on social media and uh, playing video games. And it's like, for some that might bring them vibrancy and life and for others that might be depleting. Um, I know if, if I just did that every day, all day long, I would just feel like kind of drained and not so vibrant, I would suspect. But it's so easy to zone out. It is, yeah. You have a screen in front of you, you know, it's just so easy to zone out and then, and then you kind of numb out, mm. you know, really feel life. Like, you know, what does my body feel like right now? What is, what's going on in my mind? What's going on in my heart? Mm-hmm. So it's just too easy to zone out. I mean, I like my devices too, but yeah, I'm not in love with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is good to put them away every yeah. now and then. <laughs> yes. Great. Well, um, yeah. Donovan, did you have any other questions? Yeah. There was one other thing I wanted to touch on, which is we, we've talked about uh, self-talk a couple of times. And I would be curious if you have any strategies or ideas for, let's say that I, that I have this sort of self-talk um, that comes in and like, oh, I want to go do this thing. Uh, no, I probably shouldn't, et cetera, et cetera. Um, any, any strategies or ideas for how to start working against some of the negative self-talk if I'm able to identify it? I think it's really important with negative self-talk to be very, very gentle with oneself. A lot of self-talk, negative self-talks comes from a sense of um, poor self-worth mm. or um, feeling that somehow we're not enough. And so I think that the first thing that has to happen is we have to be very gentle with ourselves and that it does not have to be complicated. It can be something as simple as you're okay. You're okay. It doesn't have to be any more than that. And that's where you begin. And, um, then you can get creative with it and say, what great thing am I going to do today? You know, you can get as expansive with it as you want, or you can keep it simple, but I think you have to start out really gentle. That would be the one strategy I would offer to um, just say, you're okay. I love me. I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's great because I think a lot of people treat themselves much, much worse than they uh, allow anyone around them to be treated. Right. We would never treat a friend like that. And yet, we will treat ourselves like that. So if, if you can become aware of negative self-talk and, and gently pull yourself out of it a little bit, right on. Yes, yes. We could all be kinder, more compassionate towards ourselves. I agree. Great. Well, Stephanie, it's been such a pleasure having you on our show. Was there anything you'd like to plug before we wrap up today? Oh, I always have a plug, but here. Okay. Yeah, share with us. You can see this. It's going to be backwards on Zoom, but this is my book, Creatrix Rising. Mm -hmm. It launches August 24th 
Um, Creatrix Rising, Unlocking the Power of Midlife Women is a series of personal stories and essays about my own voice, finding my own voice and my own confidence in the world, my feminist history, and the feminist history of some of the women around me that helped me because we don't do anything in this life without helpers. And it's meant to inspire and empower you to know your own story and to embrace your years, regardless of what the number is. Yes, I love it. Right. Well, yes, everyone, you can check that out in the link in the description below. And Stephanie, thank you again so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Happy Talks with Dr. Allison Donovan. We hope you got something of value to help bring a little more happiness into your life. What lesson or takeaway did you get from today's episode? For more tips and tools, be sure to check out my website at dralicefong.com and you can find me on my social media handles at dralicefong. You can find me at howtohappy.com and follow me on my social media handles at howtohappy. Catch, Catch you next, you next time. time.